welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. We're going to start this over. And for all the listeners out there, we just crushed about five minutes of solid podcast content. And now we're going to do this again. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here with Jeff Allen, president of the Young Professional Association at the Petroleum Club. And the cool thing is we're sitting here at the Petroleum Club. Again, I'm saying this for the second time, but it's Monday morning. It's beautiful. We're overlooking downtown. Jeff offered me drinks to get going. I politely declined, but I'm going to take a rain check on that. And, you know, again, for listeners, you know, I had my Zoom card in the recorder and for some reason it didn't record. So just doing take two, which is actually take three, because you were on Yusuf Chaudhry's podcast recently, weren't you? That's right. Yusuf, it was a lot of fun. I feel like he and I, and probably you as well, we could talk forever yeah about all different topics including zombies and everything else included so <laughs> yeah he, he was easy to talk to it's a lot of fun and his father's story that his book uh, that he put out I'm, I'm almost through with that i love those kind of stories and yeah and i'm just amazed that we never really had met before but now we finally did so yeah it no it's you know he's been around i know he's been on different podcasts I actually so i had him on this podcast like probably a year and a half ago and it was his first time doing a podcast it was at the canon which is like uh oh, know you know where, okay so i typically record there but before they had their new building i recorded in the old building which is like an old church or something i don't even know what it yeah. is but we were sitting on the couch just super casual and i mean there's one thing that that dude knows what how to do and it's talk and you know i'm surprised even when in his podcast he actually lets his guests talk that's how much he likes to talk <laughs> and i'll say that to his face because he's a buddy of mine but i'm completely bugging him but overall he's such a gem and i think he's doing extremely well with his podcast and so i'm happy to have you on the podcast our good friend justin vandenbrink introduced us he's a fellow canadian he connected us and here we are today but before we get going, we started talking about Easter, and then I realized I wasn't actually recording. So again, tell me about your Easter. It was special. You had your family. Everyone's vaccinated, hugging, kissing babies, licking That's handrails, right. all of it, right? All the all, licking, all the handrails, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. COVID did not get us, so mm. we made it through. I encourage everybody to get their vaccines. It was just nice. I mean, we, my family's Irish Catholic, and we're always together. Okay. Always. So for over a year, we were not, and it was very odd. And this was that's why Easter was so important. We yeah. all got to be together. We had a little picnic. We had a dinner the night before. Wow. Then I got two nephews, and they're the coolest kids on earth. And they nice. How old are wild. they? So one's almost four, and the other one is six. Wow. Okay. Yeah. See, I have two kids. One's five. My daughter's five, and my son's two. And so that was the coolest thing about Easter is have, seeing the kids run around, yeah. collect the eggs. My daughter... 
she selectively collected the eggs and then proceeded to give the one she didn't want to my son. So he, right, she's a little schemer, but he still thought he was doing a heck of an egg hunt. So my son's name is Ace and he had a blast. He was ripping around following, my daughter's name is Royce. And it was funny. Actually, we ended up stealing one of our neighbor's eggs and our eggs were like the very basic kind of pastel colored plastic ones, like just the ones you get at Target or the dollar store. Well, my daughter somehow spotted this like this huge golden like fancy design egg and my wife and I looked at each other and we're like that's not one that we planted and then so of course we're like wow the Easter Bunny laid a really cool one over there and we're like that's probably the neighbors so Roy's runs up grabs it opens it and there's like a bunch of candy and stuff that we didn't buy yeah better better than the one we had and we're like wow the Easter Bunny sure hit that one well and then I was like mommy's gonna call the Easter Bunny to make sure that that was for us and so my wife called my neighbor and was like do you guys have these types of eggs? And she's like, oh yeah, Aaron was like, there was one that we couldn't find. We forgot or whatever. And so it was like, well, and then of course I would have just said, go ahead, give it to your kid. She's like, oh yeah, do you mind putting it back? And we were like, (laughs) wow. Okay. So you're, I would not have expected that. I know. I was like, okay, you could have given our kid the cool egg. And so we like told us like Royce. So the Easter bunny talked to mom and that was for Aaron and Aaron's an only child. So of course he gets all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Right. That's a very different world. Yeah. 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 I'm an only child. So I can talk crap about him except <laughs> i would have given the egg and i'm sure he probably had about 20 of these things because it's For only sure. him but anyway kind of a funny story but royce she actually volunteered she said, okay you know no problem and i mean she had a big bucket of candy anyways and chocolates and stuff and lol doll surprise whatever so she was pumped regardless anyway enough about easter i'm glad to hear you guys had a good time yeah. i think that's special that everyone Moving was able to, to get the new together. normal yeah getting, no getting over everything there's light at the end of the tunnel and i want to talk about kind of market conditions as we move through this but before we get into that i want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor technip fmc their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the WellPad operations. Technip FMC is continuing to push the limits in order to achieve full-frack automation. To discover more about the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. So again, market conditions you know we're climbing out of covid things there's light at the end of the tunnel oil prices are looking better opec and them are slowly you know it seems like they're disciplined and willing to play ball ish how have you seen things progress i mean you you alan energy obviously you have your own energy company what's the observations coming out of covid what can people expect and what are you kind of hoping for towards sliding into 2022 Gosh, I can talk about that for hours. So right? I wish we had hours, but try and condense Maybe we'll it. Maybe we'll do a part two. We will do a part two. At nighttime, two. so we can drink during it. Absolutely. 100%. I'll plug the bar again. Yes. The Club. We have all the bottles you would want. All the so, good stuff. All the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. The markets, yeah, I have Allen Energy is my company. We raised $6 million back in 2016 when prices were really low, like $23 a barrel, yeah. to shoot a 3D right near Corpus Christi, 60 square miles. We're drilling on oh, that wow. successfully right now. My partner in that who's really the brains about everything, is Mike Jones, Charger Exploration. He's like the LeBron James of drilling Frio and Miocene Wells in South Texas. Okay. And then now I'm raising money for a very large, actually it's the largest conventional Gulf Coast drilling opportunity. What? That's a big portfolio of, of drillable prospects. The market, I guess there's three main things going on. Because I'm out here all day trying to raise money and talking to everybody. Yeah. I kind of make it my business to know what everybody's doing in my industry, especially on the conventional straight hole drilling side. Yeah. 
So one, COVID really hurt everybody and mm-hmm. it confused the market with respect to oil and gas usage. So we we definitely have had a lot of storage and the expectation is that when people start going back to normal, yeah. driving their cars, airplanes, traveling, I mean, I don't remember which poll it was, but it was an obscene number. It was like 80% of people said they're going to travel before the end of this year. Yeah, That's great. So we're going to see that storage go down. And as that storage goes down, we do not have this is the second part. We do not have the inventory. There's nobody really drilling right now. Mm. You look at the conventional straight hole drilling, there hasn't been a lot of that, any new product found of size in a decade. Is that a function of commodity prices or is that a function no. of it's too sexy to get in, or it's more sexy to get into unconventionals? The second. It's way more sexy and cool to do unconventional, or it was. Now it's not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now they it's lost like- over a trillion dollars of straight capital. I mean, it was the biggest Ponzi scheme ever. Uh, <laughs> nice. I'm glad you said it. I'll say it to everybody's Yeah. Face. No, I mean, the numbers um, don't lie. And right. I mean, I think Exxon, you know, they had a folder when they were audited. They found a folder called This is a Lie. And that they were lying about all of their reserves. It was ridiculous. And all the other companies did that, too. There's very few companies that did a good job. I'll, I'll highlight Indigo as one. Indigo is one of their head engineers, Garrett Vandegraaff, who had my position as president of the YPA here at Petroleum Club. He's definitely the future of any unconventional drilling because he's smart. He thinks outside the box. But that's They're, why Indigo's Indigo's up in the so Hainesville, well. aren't they? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So shout out to Garrett. Yeah. He's also getting married soon. Congratulations, my man. Congrats. We'll but, have to get him on the podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, oh, he's That'd great. you like a talker, man. He is awesome. Okay. He's a good, good guy to talk with. So the market, we have nobody drilling right now. There's nobody in the unconventionals really drilling. If you want to look at... I was on the phone with the CEO of one of the big companies not too long ago, and I was holding in my laughter while he was talking because they just came out of bankruptcy, and he said, we're going to do things differently. We're going to focus on cash. So I was like, well, thinking to myself, sure. I'm glad you are confident, but how are you going to do that? You're doing right. the same thing. You're still drilling the same way. The decline curves are still the same. It takes the same amount of capital still. There hasn't been a new increase in productivity with respect to technology that actually the ex-CEO of EQT once said publicly at a conference, he has never seen a new technology developed by an industry that ended up destroying that same industry. Mm. And that was fracking, fracking. And, and horizontal drilling. And not to say that that's dead. It's definitely going to come back. But it's going to take young people like Garrett and other engineers that kind of can look at it from a different angle. And how do we make it productive? Right. You can't just go out there, drill one well, space it out, create a valuation, and then flip it. That's over. That's done. Right. Yep. Right? That's how people ended up screwing things up. So everybody was looking in that direction conventional straight hole drilling just wasn't sexy it wasn't cool even though it definitely has higher returns than any unconventional horizontal well and then now there's not going to be anybody drilling i mean there hasn't been in the last decade most of these famous companies that did conventional drilling are either retired or have passed on or just are tired of the industry so it creates this this vacuum the space for somebody to step in and take over and on right. the other side of that, you don't have young people like myself that understand how to do that. Most people were geo-steering. They were doing horizontal stuff, which is great. Yeah. But if you wanted to have a perfect storm for a price increase, you would have what's going on right now. The politics right now of shutting down federal lands, anti-frac rhetoric, as well as you know the moratorium on the Gulf, that's only going to make it that much sweeter for somebody like me who's doing or an investor who's on the conventional drilling side right if you're an investor and you want to put a dollar in the american energy industry well you're either going to do it in a fund of like esg solar something like that renewables which is fine or you're going to put that in conventional drilling mm. because we have to have new product as people wake up we still have a demand i mean 
India, China, and and Africa, their demand is beyond what was it was pre COVID. I mean, they're right. they're ready, they're oh, going. Yeah. And you know, I do like I said earlier. Or actually, that was before we had our, our mishap. My, yeah. my older sister, Caitlin Allen, owns uh, Global Affairs Associates, and she's been at the forefront of ESG before it was cool. I mean, wow. she's worked with Dev and Exxon, like the big, big names. And I'm all for all different uses of energy. Yeah, I think where we're at right now with ESG is it's very fun. It's a new thing, but they're running. You know, they're running a little too fast with it. Okay. You can't change the world today or tomorrow by going to solar, going to biofuels, going to wind, I think ESG is going to mostly turn towards natural gas. I see that happening simply because if I'm an investor and I give my money to an ESG fund, how am I going to make my money back? Right. That company is either going to have a higher valuation, I can get my return back by flipping, which is normally what Wall Street does, but I don't know what product they're selling. I don't know how to make my money back. If I give my money to, let's say, Mike Jones of Charger Exploration, he's going to drill well. I know that there's a product there that's going to go to market. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but that's generally how I read business. Hmm. So I see oil and gas being the answer for a long time. Now, right. we can have other things. We, have, we can have a more integrated system, but even Elon Musk came out and said, if everybody had an electric car, the grid wouldn't be able to take it. <laughs> right. We need other systems like natural gas. Right. So I'm very, very bullish on natural gas for sure. Excellent. No, that's cool. So are a lot of, I mean, a lot of the conventional plays that are at least attractive in today's commodity prices are primarily oil or is it a mix? I'm not too familiar with it's the conventional side. It's really a side. mix right now. Well, oil's strong, it's at 60. Right. On the conventional side, you can make a lot of money at $60 a barrel. Like, for example, my projects, they make money at 35 Okay. You can't do that. In the unconventional world, nobody makes money at $60 a barrel. And if they say they do, they're lying to you. So. Well, that's what they tout, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see, you know, like, lifting costs or, or really break-evens, mm-hmm. you know, s- Eagle for Permian, summer is as low as 30 35 now. I mean, so do you think that's just you know, for headlines or you think? Yes. Yeah. I mean, these are mostly publicly traded company and it goes off public sentiment and what people perceive is true. So right. of course they're going to say certain things and they've been saying that for a long time, but you look at the numbers and obviously it's not proven. But nowadays, you know, they're not going to be paying such astronomical prices for leases. So yeah, it might might look a little bit better at $60, but I know they're not making money hand over fist. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. Kind of flip this side. So where where are you from originally? I'm right curious here in about Houston, man. Seven one three. Okay, from the seven one three H town. Okay, that's right. And so your sisters in oil and gas are on mm-hmm. the ESG side. Did your parents like? How did you get into the oil uh, my and gas dad, Doctor James Allen, worked for Exxon. Okay, he's from Wyoming. My mom is from upstate New York. They gotcha. met each other here in Houston. And my dad worked for Exxon. He's a geophysicist. He went on as went out on his own as an independent. You know, back in the eighties, early eighties, it was the thing to do. There were hundreds of thousands of independents walking the streets with briefcases full of deals, which is yeah. a deal is just a place to drill, like an X on a map. Like let's drill here. Yeah, and that is kind of gone. You know, I'm trying to bring that back in a certain way. But he went out on his own. He started a company, Main and Mertz, was very very successful. Him and Mr. Michael Puzio dominated the trend of the Hackberry. Then he started Sovereign Oil and Gas, which he did international, and that was in Nigeria. He sold that company, and then he also started JL Allen Exploration Ventures. 
And then he started Allen Hoffman with Mr. Paul Hoffman. Mm. All successful companies. I grew up in this industry. It's in your blood. It's in my blood. I mean, I, I love it. And I'm a huge nerd with history and, and foreign policy. And I just love that America is the only country that gives you true ownership of your land and your minerals. Yeah. That's extremely unique. I love talking to landowners before I lease them or permit them and say, hey, here's money. Like, let's figure out a deal. It's really nice. If The people that were really making money on the unconventional side were the landowners that got all the overrides and, and the the money from just sitting on their porch. Yeah. You know, that, that's really where it's at. And the oil, people want to hate the oil and gas. That's fine. But we turn more millionaires, or turn more people into millionaires overnight than any other industry. Robert Bryce, who's spoke, he's been at the Petroleum Club a lot to speak. He also is an author and has his own podcast called Power Hungry. Okay. His book, Power Hungry, is phenomenal. And, I'll have to check um, that out. Yeah. He also has a documentary called juice i believe okay and that's on free on free on youtube i think okay and it's basically about electricity but yeah so back to me i grew up i got a degree in geology from ut san antonio so i saw that so let's take you know pump the brakes a little bit here a guy like yourself doesn't strike me as a rock sniffer like, thank you and that's i and, and maybe I, the nicest thing <laughs> anybody could say to me. and i say rock sniffing comically because when i was a roughneck we always would say you know on-site geologists sniff rocks and that's all they do so it always is just stuck with me so whenever i hear geologists i think it's a rock sniffer mm-hmm. you know i did petroleum engineering back in canada and you know played with rocks and stuff but geology was so hard for me for some reason because I'm, I'm such a binary person oh yeah and yeah. like looking at all the maps like you kind of have to have this like very artistic creative yes way about you and so you know but you're obviously super intelligent with regards to business so why did you pick geology of, of all things my dad has always been my mentor i've okay. never second guessed him and he wow, said that's cool oh yeah probably the greatest thing in life could be having a good father and amen to that he said, anybody can learn business. You would be more effective and dangerous as a businessman if you had a technical degree. Cool. And I, I, like I grew that. up in, in a high school. You know, I was never the scientist guy or the nerd with math. I've always had a problem with math. But I got into college, and it was just a different atmosphere. I went to St. Thomas High School here off Memorial and Shepherd, an incredible school. I learned more there than I did anywhere else, just how to learn, how to think, how to reason. Yeah. And then in college, I just fell in love with geology. I love reading and okay. storytelling. Yeah. And geology is the story of the earth. Right. And you get to learn, you know, you're doing chemistry, advanced chemistry, advanced engineering. You're doing all the different sciences, physics. It was just fun. Yeah. And so many classes are outside. And as a kid who likes to go outside, I hated being in the classroom. So yeah. we got to go outside all the time. In cool. fact, one of the, I was, voted by my peers at UTSA to be the head of the geoscience department. Yeah. And I was like the president of, and I got a field trip to, we do a lot of field trips, but I got one of our field trips sponsored, okay. including all the beer, nice. uh, <laughs> to, to one of the parks here in Texas. And we got to go have fun and, and enjoy it and practice our geology and, and party Pretty along good. the way. Yeah. So I see geology, if you're ever with a geologist, they're probably really fun people because they like storytelling. They like to drink. They're a little different. Though, they are I very different. <laughs> Which, very I mean, everyone's different in their own way. Yeah. So so I, I definitely push more towards the business side of things. My partner, Mike Jones, like, he's way better as a geologist than I would ever be. So there's no reason to compete with somebody who you know is the best. Yeah, yeah. And that's why our partnership works really, really well. I think we have very complementary skills. and That's what it takes. Divide and conquer. And just growing up, I knew I never really wanted to be a geologist. I do love it, but Mm -hmm. I'm much more into the meeting people, making things happen, and bringing a team together. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. But then to have that kind of fundamental understanding of subsurface, 
I agree. I think it's extremely beneficial. I mean, I have a technical background, but now I'm doing more business development sales mm-hmm. and now I'm in grad school, which is more focused on business. And yeah, it's just, I'm you excited. Have to do that. Yeah. That's what was so cool. funny to me with the unconventional side. Early on, I knew it was going to work because as a technical guy, I know what they're doing. Right. And it was a bunch of finance guys running an oil and gas company. Like, well, you, that's not, you yeah. can't make decisions based off magic numbers in an Excel spreadsheet. That's, <laughs> that's not how the earth works. Like Mother Nature's. Some a, made a lot of money doing it, though. Oh, yeah. Some but of them some, did. A but lot. Most of them lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know a talk. lot. <laughs> I know a lot of, you know, people that were were wealthy and yeah. then they got into those on the working interest side. If you were on the working interest side, you got screwed over just like Chesapeake and all the yeah. Chinese money that they took. The Chinese lost a lot of money on that. Jeez. But we came out of that storm and yeah. they're on the low and everything's a cycle. They're going to come right back up and I'm actually really excited for the future of horizontal drilling because we do have a lot of young engineers, technical people that are figuring out that puzzle. It's really exciting. So I'm excited for that. America has more oil and gas and energy than any other country. Yeah. And our exporting has been fascinating. We've been disrupting and becoming more powerful along the way as we continue to export uh, to other countries. Well, and so actually that's a good point I wanted to bring up is, you know, with all the, I guess, resistance that we're up against right now, you know, a little bit politically, a little bit from the investment community. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that's coming around from the investment side. But you know, we became a net exporter years ago. It seemed like we kind of are heading in the wrong direction right now, looking at the IEA's website, or the EIA, sorry. But, I mean, I just hope that we can continue down the path of net exporting. Because I feel like once we get to that crossover, if we have to start it being a net importer, I think that really jeopardizes a lot mm-hmm. for us as a country. And so we have potential. Right. And we're sitting on so much reserves to where I, I just hope our own country doesn't negatively impact to a point where we're having to rely on foreign oil, foreign energy. It would be sad. So I think folks like yourself and people that are you know, on the up and coming, which is kind of something else I wanted to bring up is talking about, you know, the next generation and the talent and the young engineers, you know, to be quite frank, I think a lot of people are steering away from a lot of the younger generation. And I always joke about Google, Amazon, and everyone else, but, but how do we as an industry make our industry attractive for the best of the best? Because right now we are not hiring the best of the best. Apple, Google, mm-hmm. all these other, you know, tech companies, a lot of them are hiring the best of the best. So so how right. do we and especially like yourself being influential, having your company, you know, Petroleum Club, what are your thoughts and in, in innovating towards attracting talent again back into oil and gas? How do we make it sexy for people? That is the greatest question I don't know if anybody has the right answer to. No, right? Because you're going up against so much advertising in the opposite direction, like you said, Google. I know a lot of the I'm not going to name names, but famous companies that are very, very wealthy and families that have made their fortune oil and gas and their third generation or even fourth don't want to do oil and gas. Right. They don't invest in, in my projects or other projects because they you know, they want to be an Aspen talking about how they invested in Uber instead right. or right. the next cool tech thing. Well, there's a lot. And of- that's fine. I'm all for that because yeah. we need people like that pushing our technology forward. Oil and gas has a long way to go, but I think it'll all come down to necessity. And that's going to happen very quickly, like you just said, mm. importing versus exporting. It would be a terrible decision to stop exporting or to become an importer like that. We would want to continue to push exporting, not just for the success of our country globally being a power, but also, I mean, we have, like you said, so many reserves. We can help the world in that. Right. And and let me segue to helping the world. And you cannot, there's two ways that we know this is without a doubt a fact to grab or to rise another country to rise out of poverty. There's two ways. First, 
give women the right to reproduction. Let them decide. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is electricity. Yep. You have to be able to turn on the lights for their kids to study, to educate themselves. Yeah. So I'll talk about the second point. You cannot bring India out of poverty with solar right. or wind. And people that want to tout that it's happening right now, they're wrong. That's also basic headlines. You can do it with natural gas. You can do it with oil. Right. Obviously, we want to steer away from things that are too expensive. The infrastructure that's needed is huge. Mm-hmm. But you cannot take somebody out of poverty without the ability to turn their lights on right. and to it, protect, protect themselves. Right. Any country that's done it, they've done it through affordable and reliable energy. And that is and and the, the, the juice. The, I think I just referenced that by Robert Bryce. It yeah. goes into great detail about that. So Excellent. once again, this isn't me talking. I'm not very smart. I have to read other people <laughs> that are much more intelligent than, than I am. So sure. I want to help the world. And I, I don't like to get black and white, whereas, oh, it's only ESG and, and oil is bad. And I, that, unfortunately, that's just the way the media portrays things, but that's not really what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, the ESG yeah. people want oil and gas. They just yeah. want to also have a seat at the table. And that's what I'm all for. Right. I think everybody, King Arthur, right? Knights of the round table. I think that's what we should always fight for. You know, that kind of equality. So everybody can speak and have a choice Absolutely. at the end of the day, natural gas and oil is still the most reliable fuel. Yep. No, it is. And I love where you're heading with that. And it, to me, I'm hearing it's not, you know, oil and gas or renewables. It's oil and gas and renewables. And mm-hmm. it's a story of this and that, not mm-hmm. this or that. And so unfortunately, you know, we're very divided here in the U.S. And I'm coming from Canada. It's like I didn't I have not witnessed that until coming down here. I was like, wow, there's everyone's in their camp. Like everyone yes. wants to identify with something instead of just being like collectively like, let's make things better. It's like, yeah. let's make things better for this camp and then let's like battle this camp mm-hmm. and whether that's you know whether it's you know politics or oil and gas and then or whatever like just everything it's just it's funny but i say that to say that i think folks like yourself even myself having conversations like this to be able to provide awareness at scale is extremely important i had yes. my good buddy danny splitstosser out of denver he's been in the renewable space forever he was an executive in residence for my graduate program i had him on the podcast to talk about renewables and kind of his observations and thoughts on renewables and how they're going to be able to tie in and supplement what we do in oil and gas. And he's a very educated individual, has done extremely well. And he said, like, we're not going to be able to electrify everything. Like, he is pro-natural gas. So it's funny because you get the folks that understand energy and global markets Mm -hmm. and geopolitics, and they're not saying we have to get rid of oil and gas. It's like, operate cleaner. We want to come help. Let's supplement each other. And together we can make the world a better place. It's not, we right. will on, we only will make the world a better place. Right. And so that, that's an interesting conversation. With the interest of time, I do want to allow you to talk a little sure. bit about Petroleum Club. Oh, yeah, Tell yeah. us about what you guys are doing. It's almost 11. I got a burn. You got a meeting yeah. too. So just if you could, please, and we got to do a round two, but highlight what you're doing here at the Petroleum Club and anything else that you'd like to speak on with, with that regard. The Petroleum Club is definitely the place to be if you're an entrepreneur. I'll give a few reasons. One, remote workspace. Where I come here and work out of the bar, mm-hmm. it's a great place to host meetings, great place to meet other people of like mind and other spaces. It is the Petroleum Club, but we have people from all other industries as well. And it's very affordable for, I think, compared to other clubs. It's also a privately owned club. It's not a club corp club. So right. that allows us to kind of do whatever we want when we when we think we need to. Yeah. And we're definitely going in that direction of what the next, we have our 75-year anniversary coming up. Wow. Yeah, at the end of this year. No so way. we're looking at what's the next 75 
you know, what, what do we want to portray? Mm-hmm. Things happen, life changes, and the club has been able to change with the times as well. We get a lot of people that think it's stuffy and old, but most of our members are coming in under 40, under 45. And we have a lot of great events. We'll have one coming up here closer towards August, and we do a putt-putt. So every room is a different hole. <laughs> nice. And you drink along the way, and you have fun, and there's a steak dinner afterwards. Yeah, I mean, we have and we have you know, shooting. If you're into shooting shotguns, a skeet tournament out at the Houston Oaks Country Club, as well as the reciprocal clubs. That's my favorite part is if you travel a lot, which we don't during COVID, but as that starts happening, the reciprocal clubs, not just in Houston, but in not just the United States, but in other countries, it's just nice to have a place to go where you understand the quality of that club. And that's yep. really the fun. Cool. So I would say be a member, come check it out. Let me take you out to either one of the happy hours or lunch so you can see for yourself. Yep. I have a lot of friends spending $800 to $1,200 a month for a remote workplace. Yeah. And I think that's crazy. Here, it's a lot cheaper than that. And we're working in towards that direction to be more formal. And that's what I feel like everybody wants. You want a, a place to go. If, if you're working from home, you don't want to be home all day. Your wife right. certainly doesn't want you there all day. <laughs> right. So you got to go somewhere else. And a lot of the offices are allowing like a split schedule between remote work and we're coming to the office. So yep. after COVID, we're going to see a lot of things changing. A yep. lot of companies doing that. And downtown Houston is somewhat of an island. But the Petroleum Club is the best place on this island. I can guarantee you that. Not just the view that we're looking at, but like I said, the people you get to meet. And I would love to share that with anybody, young or old. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, what we'll do is we'll put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. Sure. And that way, if anyone's interested, I mean, I'm sure you'll be willing to give a little free tour and kind of show oh, yeah. some folks what it's all about. If they're just even interested or you know, downtown want to grab yeah. a coffee with you. But no, I encourage anyone out there, if you're in the Houston area, whether you're traveling through it or if you live here, hit Jeff up and just ask to come check it out. And I'm sure most of you that are, you know, in oil and gas have probably come through here once or twice, but it's, it's such a neat environment. I think you guys are off to, you know, doing something real special, bringing the petroleum plug kind of back in to the ecosystem, having it being an inviting place for everybody. I know myself, I'll be spending more time here. So again, certainly appreciate that. For sure. But with that said, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure. Other than LinkedIn, is there any other platforms that you'd like to mention or anything else before we log off here? I think that's probably the best way to do it. Okay. Well, yeah. I know Petroleum, not to interrupt, but I know Petroleum Club, whether it's Instagram, they have LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. What else is there? Facebook, Instagram, awesome. And then obviously all the events and stuff like that, if if people want to keep up with it, all the social media platforms. So, you know, do our industry a favor, follow them on social media and just help grow the industry. And I think, you know, one step at a time, we're going to continue to move forward and help provide energy for the world. So it's a great thing. Yeah. Jeff, thanks thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much. With that said, everyone, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for June 2021. This month we have six events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events that I talk about here. We even include events that occurred two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting two events. One is online and one is in person. For our online event, we're hosting a live stream titled Deal Value Creation, M&A and ONG. This is going to be on June the 2nd. And for our in-person event, we're relaunching our happy hours. It's been far too long since we had a good happy hour, so I'm sure plenty of you will be excited to hear that our next happy hour will be at the Canon in Houston, Texas on June 24th. 
At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. We hope to see you there. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events, which are the Energy Capital Conference on June 2nd at the Omni Houston Hotel and the U.S. Police and Fire Championships from June 10th to the 21st. The Police and Fire Championships will be hosted in multiple locations, so make sure to check out our events newsletter for more information about that. Next, we have our two online events, the first being the Post-Industrial Summit Series. This event actually started on May 4th, but it'll be ending later this month on June 22nd, so there's still plenty to see. And our second online event is the Big Data Industry Summit from June 9th to 10th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for June. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.